the bump and run the Bristol move. That's aggressive, but it's that's good, good hard racing. Oh, oh him out of the green there. Oh man! Will he get the bumper? Yes, he does. Here comes Legato. Legato on the inside. A drag race. They're sideways, and it's going to be Legato getting the win. The back end of the 18 kick out. Yeah, he got into it right there. Moved him out of the way. It's almost too early to be racing that hard for the league, wasn't it? Never too early to be racing for the league. At Bristol. At Bristol. Man, this is one of the biggest wins of my career. It's the bump and run, baby! Ah, uh, yeah. Welcome to the Bump and Run podcast. I am your host, Michael D. White, joined by my two best friends, Matt the Statman Riley and Eric Daytona Ron. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Hope you guys have yourselves a Shane Van Ginsenbergen weekend. Because he was the big winner down in the Chicago street race. First time it's been done in NASCAR. And fellas, I think it was a great success. We went to... And it was a beautiful, well, not really beautiful weekend, considering we had so much rain. But uh, we'll talk all about it. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, tell all your friends about the podcast. Available every Monday night, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and more. And every Tuesday morning on YouTube, you get to see our beautiful faces. Fellas, how was your weekend? How are you enjoying the long weekend? Smack dab in the middle of it right now, man. Smack dab in the middle of it. Feels good to have four days off. This is our, our first ever matinee. I'm drinking a I'm drinking an, a, an iced coffee right now, recovering from last night's event. So, uh, yeah, good weekend so far. Good holiday weekend. How about you boys? Doing anything fun for the fourth? Yeah, uh, not too bad. You know, enjoying the uh, this Monday off feels like a Saturday because uh, we still have another day off uh, tomorrow too. Uh, and yeah, doing a little matinee podcast. Usually we have work on a Monday. We do it after work and, and now we're doing it at what it's noon. Uh, I need a little lunch in me. I'm getting hungry already. Maybe, maybe some, some of our listeners traveling for the holiday today, tomorrow can, uh, can throw us on and enjoy us while, uh, while the fireworks are going off in the background. Hell yeah. How about you, Eric? How was your weekend? How are you doing on, uh, this beautiful Monday, uh, July 3rd? Uh it, it was it was a good good weekend. I um I made it an extra long weekend. I took Friday off and Monday off, and I have Tuesday off as well. So uh, you know, use those vacation days wisely. You know, plug them in on an already long weekend, make it extra long. Um, went up to Montage Mountain to uh, Peach Festival all day on Friday. Party for about a good sixteen hours straight, <laughs> and uh, so Saturday I was on the couch. Uh, most of the day I did not catch anything and I was kind of out of the loop to be honest with you guys up until the race was starting. Um, I hadn't seen much on track activity. I didn't see a lot of the qualifying or, you know, Xfinity stuff on track. So, um, in a way I was kind of excited about that, uh, to just Sunday, the race is here not seeing anything of it, it kind of added to the excitement that I had not seeing a lot of the on-track activity and just, you know, you guys send a lot of messages and stuff. So, you know, it, it got me excited just reading it and hearing your guys' excitement and me not seeing any for myself 
Um, I think it added a little bit, a uh, little bit extra, and, and a little bit more excitement for me uh, to watch the race on Sunday, uh, knowing how excited you guys were over the trek activity that did go down uh, in Chicago this weekend. So, yeah, great I, weekend for me so far. Like Matt said, we're in the middle of it. I know uh, me and Matt were super hyped on Saturday, watching all the uh, the practice and qualifying and on track activity, and kind of like you, like. I know me and Matt were talking about it uh, in text messages. I was going into this weekend not really expecting much. I figured, like, keep a blank open slate and, and just see what happens. And then Saturday morning, man, I just got so hyped looking at all the tweets from at, at the track or the street course. <laughs> and uh, and then watching practice and qualifying, man, it was just probably the most entertaining qualifying session I've ever seen. How about you, Matt? I know you were uh, following along just like me. Uh, what were you thinking about the whole vibe of Chicago? Yeah, and, and I, I, I we'll get into it a little bit more throughout the show, but um, I went into it kind of the same thing. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I was telling you guys, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned it last week or not. You know, I, I thought it was going to be a little bit of a disaster that from all accounts. I know Rodney Childers was was saying it, and I know a few others were saying it through sim work and everything that, uh, that the, the, the track was going to be very tight. And I honestly didn't think – it was going to go well. And I thought it was going to be mayhem. And same thing, Saturday morning, Whitey, you know, I didn't feel anything Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning, wake up. And I'm, I'm seeing, you know, all these tweets and videos from boots on the ground. A lot of the NBC people, a lot of NASCAR media and drivers themselves and crew members tweeting and sending out videos. And it's like, everyone had such great vibes. And then Practice starts and NBC, you could tell by by the way all those those folks were handling it and the excitement in the air. Man, there was a vibe going on Saturday and it just got me to a whole nother level of excitement. And uh, I know we'll get into the actual on on track product in a little bit, but um, loved everything except for the mother nature aspect side of things that I that I saw this weekend. I tell you what, it, it definitely was like a vibe. Like you said, it had a big race feel the whole entire weekend leading up to it had a big race feel kind of like the Daytona 500 kind of like uh, our, our championship race. I wish there was some way to get that type of hype every single week. Obviously, you know, it's hard with what 36 races and all, but um, yeah, just uh, a super, super cool uh, weekend that kind of got, Kind of got screwed Saturday afternoon with that lightning. Um, and then I figured let's let's pause on that a little bit. Let's jump into the NASCAR news because I only have two stories to talk about. And then uh, we'll, we'll just break down the rest of the weekend. Does that sound good to you guys? Sounds good. The Bump and Run NASCAR News. All right, so I have uh, just two pieces of news uh, to really talk about. Uh, all the news this week was about the Chicago street course, and since it's behind us, why even uh, why even talk about those little little details? But uh, one piece, Frankie Muniz said he's interested in competing in trucks or Xfinity next year. He's currently sitting second in points, and ARCA sitting 40 points behind Jesse Love, the points leader. What do you guys think about uh, former actor, current race car driver Frankie Muniz uh, possibly getting into the Xfinity or truck series. I will say this. I'll, if, uh, Frankie buddy, if you listen to the old bump and run podcast, uh, take this advice, wait 
until you get an Xfinity ride. Do not go to the Truck Series. <laughs> Stay in Arca, dominate, win down there, give yourself an Xfinity ride. I don't know, man. I just see these truckers and the way that they race each other. It is kind of, he better be strong-willed. I know he loves the sport. He loves racing. He wants to do it really bad. Um, but man, like you see, like when you have a target on your back, and I think he would go into that with kind of a target on his back being who he is. Um, I don't know how much respect will be out there for him out on that racetrack. And you see the lack of it, the way it is now amongst actual racers who've been racing and know each other and raced around <laughs> each other. So um, I don't know. I'd love to see him do it. I think it's a possibility um, if he's racing this well in Arca, it, it you know, it, it could definitely happen. But I think the trucks, it, it could go one or two ways. You could either go there, dominate, stay up front, run top five and good equipment, or you could get discouraged because you get taken out, you know, every other week and you get caught up in a mess. But um, good for him, though. What a what a, what a turnaround in, in, in that whole storyline saga when we first started talking about it and him getting into Arca. But uh, I, I can see it happening, but I'm not so sure it, it's – it's the best move. Wait to get an Xfinity if he does do it. I think I'll have a better shot to, to advance there and do well. I saw somewhere on um, somewhere on social media at some point this past week that Brian Cranston is trying to re-get the um, Malcolm in the Middle rebooted. And I saw that he, he's not sure if it's going to be a TV show or if it's going to be a movie or a miniseries or what. But he's trying to get it rebooted and he's got the whole cast on board. And uh, Frankie Muniz is Malcolm, so they need him for that. So, like, I don't even know if he'll have time. But I guess it's a wait-and-see type deal. You know, I, I, he's going to need to get sponsorship. He's going to need to land. He's An owner is probably going to have to give him a seat in a car somewhere. So there's a lot of details. You know, it's all cool, fun, and, and stuff to say, hey, I would like to run trucks in Xfinity, but there's a lot of logistics that go you know, into it. I could say I want to run trucks in Xfinity, but right. until you get everything that goes into it put in put in place – I think it's just a wait and see type deal. I think uh, I think Eric makes an interesting point too. If he did move up to to Xfinity or trucks, there definitely would be some some type of target on yeah. his back. And then uh, Matt, to your point, you're talking about sponsorship and everything. I wonder how much residual money he's getting from uh, from Malcolm in the Middle reruns and stuff. Like I think they're still running on like TBS and, and FX throughout the week. So uh, I wonder I wonder if the royalties are enough to fund an Xfinity ride himself. You know, uh, and and then to the whole acting thing too. That is interesting. I didn't. I didn't see the whole piece about Brian Cranston trying to get uh, uh, Malcolm in the middle rebooted and stuff. But yeah, how do you do that without Malcolm? Uh, especially when he's driving a race car in, in throughout the majority of the the year. I mean, the NASCAR season lasts from February until November. Not a whole lot of time to uh, to film a television show or a movie or anything. So uh, yeah, it should be pretty interesting to see what happens to old uh, old Francis Munez. Uh, what if? Malcolm grows up to be a NASCAR driver Ooh. and they tie the whole thing in and Malcolm in the middle TV show is on the car. And that is the sponsor of now we're thinking, I like, now we're thinking. <laughs> I like it. Finding solutions to problems already. I, I, uh, Frankie, if you're listening, man, uh, take some notes. And then uh, <laughs> the next piece of news I have, uh, I thought this was pretty interesting. Uh, Kip Childress uh, worked his last race as a NASCAR 
pace car driver, uh, ending a 15-year career. Kip Childress gets mentioned a few times throughout the broadcast as he's ducking onto pit road. Usually the MRN guys give him more credit than the television booth. But I just want to say thank you to Kip. And he's joining the Cars Tour as an executive director. So uh, going to get involved with Dill Jr., uh, Kevin Harvick, Justin Marks, and Jeff Burton in the Cars Tour. I think that's pretty interesting. Do you guys have any thoughts on that at all? I mean, I know it's uh, kind of a weird story to really profile a, a pace car driver, but I, I honestly don't have you know, anything you can make on a it. career out of it. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll tell you what. I uh, yeah, up until maybe a year or two ago, I didn't. I just thought that they got someone local. Yeah, to do yes, it. I didn't know it was. The, I didn't know it was the yeah, right. Sign me up. Yeah. I have a number in mind and it's not that high, NASCAR. Sign me up. Just put cruise dude, you control give me a case at Pit Road Speed. Like in, <laughs> we got we gotta start sending some emails to NASCAR, send a resume in like, hey man, I've been driving for like 20 years. I got a pretty good record. I got I got a clean driving record. But uh, that's all I have for the NASCAR news. Let's jump back into the NASCAR weekend, though, because there is a lot to talk about. I just wanted to get that out of the way before we really talk. Um, but yeah, uh, practice qualifying. Absolutely awesome show. Just the whole entire vibe of it. And then uh, later on, we get to the Xfinity race. I didn't get a chance to watch the Xfinity race much. I watched a couple highlights. Matt, I think you were watching most of it, right? Um, what was I doing Saturday? I don't remember. Uh, I was in, in and out, in and out of that race. But then once I saw that, um, it was on, on rain delay, I, I just kind of, we, we were doing a bunch of shit all weekend. So I was just kind of checking in on it. I, I wasn't sitting there actually watching it. Yeah. So the, uh, the highs of the highs of Saturday morning, uh, became the lowest of the lows in Saturday afternoon during the Xfinity race. Uh, Cole Custer led every single lap and with about two left to go to the halfway point, they had to call the race short for, um, for lightning in the area. Of course, NASCAR does a 30 minute, uh, countdown clock. Apparently the city of Chicago does a 90 minute countdown clock in that park, particularly uh, a few people have been killed by lightning in Chicago in their parks. So they're extra precautious as they should be uh, kind of like NASCAR ever since that, uh, that person died at Pocono. Uh, that of course is why we do the 30 minute um, lightning delays, but uh, the race never got resumed. And then it ended in controversy Saturday. Uh, I guess it was afternoon. They paraded around for a couple laps and then declared Cole Custer the winner of the race, leading every single lap. I believe. And I declare Chuck Norris the president of the United States of America. It means nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, it, it, it made for a, uh, a epic whitey uh, burn on, on us, though, Matt, when we yeah. were... That was nice. We were Snapchatting each other back and forth about how we felt about the decision to, you know, uh, <laughs> call the race official and Cole Custer winning. And if you uh, have been listening to us on this podcast, we, you know, Matt and I have been very critical on Cole Custer, uh, and and Whitey has been holding strong, backing his boy up, and yeah, uh, we were we were busting him via Snapchat and saying, you know, we don't, you know, <laughs> that he, he not our winner, not our winner, and. Uh, Whitey responded back with a epic Snapchat of him 
slowly like putting a t-shirt on and he was like, like getting ready to go out or yeah, something I was. And he was slowly putting a shirt on and as i'm watching i'm like why why didn't he just wait till <laughs> why didn't he just wait to snap us until he put his shirt on and then as he's rolling the shirt down it's a cole custer shirt I'm like, you mother. And, and the thing was too i wasn't even talking about the the xfinity race as i did it i think i was like man i don't know guys there's a lot of weather in the area i don't know if we get to see the cup race in action uh so sometimes <laughs> It was, a good burn. it was a good burn. Yeah. It was a good burn. Listen, uh, after after Cole Custer's 2019 Xfinity run, uh, I, there's no doubt the guy is talented. I'm just waiting for him to to really get back into the swing of things in the Xfinity series. We talk about it all the time on the Bumper Run podcast too. If you if you're a newer listener, if you go back, uh, we like to talk about some guys who may be better suited to drive the Xfinity series or the or the Truck series. Of course, John Hunter Nemechek moving back down the trucks a couple of years ago right now doing the Xfinity deal. Uh, so I think Cole Custer, I mean, I think he's doing what he has to do to get back into the Cup Series. And uh, this is what his second win of the season. I think that last one was kind of a controversial, like handed him the win type yeah. win, too. So Cole Custer really not earning them. Uh, I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure even he would say I so. Slowly regress back into like possible, and then like, well, let's just end this segment here before I start talking shit. Yeah, but uh, but I still have faith, so I wore um, my I wore my Cole Custer T-shirt yesterday, and then uh, yeah, man, it was looking like we weren't gonna get a Cup Series race in at all. Uh, apparently, Matt, you sent the article too. It was from like three, was it a week or two ago? Uh, it was a Chicago. Uh, uh, like Times article or whatever, where they were talking about how this was the worst drought in over a decade in Chicago. Hasn't rained in so long. And then the skies open up as if we were in the tip of Florida during hurricane season. And we get seven inches of water in downtown Chicago in less a than single day history in less than 12 hours, a single day rain accumulation, a, a single in day history. history in the history of the city of Chicago. Do you know how long Chicago has been around Eric forever? <laughs> the answer is forever. forever. It's been around forever. <laughs> and yesterday NASCAR rolls into town and we get the worst single day of rain of all time. Hey, Matt, remember when we went out to the desert and it rained for three days on us, dude? <laughs> we, asked, we asked the locals there, I said, when's the last time it rained? They, yeah. so we were out there in November. We were like, when's the last time it rained? They're like, I don't know, the spring? Basically, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, one guy was like, I think like last year. Like, it, like it did, I don't they couldn't, put it in, they couldn't remember the last time it actually rained until we showed up there with yeah. the NASCAR weekend. It, it's It's inevitable. It's inevitable. Yeah. And that's actually, I'm just going to get it out of the way now. That's my wreckers is just mother nature. She hates, she hates NASCAR. I don't know why she hates NASCAR, but she does. And everything that we just talked about was in my wreckers. So just getting that out of the way, my wreckers is, is mother nature. And you know what's sad too? Uh, it's been super hazy here in the Northeast because of those Canadian wildfires. I guarantee if NASCAR canceled uh, Atlanta and said, no, we're pulling an audible and we're racing in Canada next week, the whole entire country would have a downpour for two days straight yeah. and those fires would be out. Uh, but man, like the, the luck of NASCAR, you know what it, it reminds me of too? Now follow me. It's like when you it's like when you plan to go to the beach, right? You have to schedule it like two months in advance. You book your hotel room. You take the time off from work. You get all excited for like a month leading up. And then you get down there and it just rains 
yeah. all day long. And it's like, there's nothing Dude, we can don't do. Even, don't even make it vacation. Make it Pocono, which has happened to us how many times where you, you schedule everything a year in advance and you get all excited. It, you know, we're two weeks away. I'm sure you guys are freaking amped right now. You get all excited and then you get there and it rains for four days straight. How many times has that happened? Almost every time. That happened to me last year down for the Ocean's <laughs> Calling Music Festival I went to. I had everything yeah. booked. We went down there, hotel, couldn't get our money back. So we went down there, the group of us, stayed in our room. It rained for three days. And uh, we just, hey, we we had a blast in the, you know, in our house together. We did an escape room. and But, man, yeah, it's you got to make the best of that situation. And I'll tell you what, Matt, sometimes, like, I was just thinking about, like, you wrecked Mother Nature, right? But how many times do scenarios like this, did Mother Nature maybe help this weekend out in a way at the end with the way that the tires, like without this rain, uh, the hype and the excitement around it, I think a lot of times rain, as much as it could, you know, cause a hiccup in a few things, when you go to concerts sometimes and it rains, you have the greatest time. And there's no matching sometimes when, when you have that that endorphin release of having to get through a tough situation mm-hmm. and you 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 finally make it through and and, and the, they got the race in and it makes it kind of even that much more worth the while, you know? Dude, I think that's one of the fact one of the several factors that went into how much I really enjoyed that race last night is that like 20 minutes before that green flag flew, I would have put all, every dime that I owned down that we weren't going to ra- run that race. There was a video circulating that I think Stuart Haas racing, or maybe it was colleague racing uh, put out there of, of a camera underneath water, underneath two, two and a half feet of water with someone walking through it. There was two and a half feet of water on the racetrack and in the pit road. I didn't think we, I don't even know if we'd be able to race today and they got that shit in. Yes. It was shortened because of daylight, but who cares? Like they got that race in and that shows the tenacity and the strength of the people that are in charge of the sport that we love so much. It was awesome. I mean, I, I, I'm so happy. And and not only NASCAR and the people in charge of the sport, but you have to think too the broadcast partners, MRN, NBC, tons and tons of challenges just to make this whole entire event happen, let alone you add weather on top of it. Just an amazing feat that they were able to accomplish. And and like you said, I saw that same video where you just see a foot stop in the water and you're like, no way is this going to happen because that was at like, I don't know, 5.05 when the race was supposed to start. And I'm like, no way. And then an hour later we were racing. Just absolutely amazing. That's the thing is after all that, we only had an hour delay. It got going at 6.20. I think the original green flag was supposed to be 6.20. So like, it's not like it was, we were massively inconvenienced. Um, So yeah, I mean, I, here's the one thing though, that, that I don't know, you know, I, I haven't thought about, maybe you guys have neither. So we were only delayed an hour. We ran out of daylight. Like would, would we have still run out of daylight even if we weren't delayed an hour? Or do you think it would have been close? Because there would have been more cautions and things of that nature. I think it still would have been close. Dude. Yeah, I think, I think it would have been, been, been close. Yeah. And you I mean, want- it was hazy though. Like it was a cloudy day. I think maybe on a bright right. sunny day might've been a little different. True. But then you got to take into consideration all the buildings and where the shade would be. Yep via where the sun goes down so um, with that hour mat like the math they did the math it took like an hour to run 30 laps yeah so they did the math at a certain point some of those crew chiefs and they're like well this this isn't not happening it's not happening you know and uh i I think even without that delay they still maybe would have 
come pretty close to having to call it for for light anyway. Yeah, that um that reminded me of a pickling I meant to put down. Uh, we will talk about uh, tracks without lights and time limits in the pick and lane. So uh, I, I know something that we've also we, we've, we've alluded to on here before um, is that we don't really talk about the winner of the race too much. Well, I think SVG deserves well, for us to talk about him a little bit. I know we'll get into it, well, but that, like, dude, that was that was awesome. Yesterday. That's the thing. We're getting to it because we're just still talking about the, the events that happened pre-race. And then we saw an amazing Chicago street race afterwards. Shane Van Ginzenberg, uh, three time Australian V8 supercar champion, led twice for nine laps, getting his first win in his first cup start ever. The first time it's been done since I believe 1963, they said. Uh, I apologize. I meant to write down who won. It was at Daytona. Uh, the race lasted two hours, 50 minutes, and 48 seconds. Of course, like we just said, shortened by 25 laps due to uh, due to um, the, the setting sun. We saw nine cautions for 21 laps, seven lead changes among five different drivers, Gisbergen, uh, Haley, Chase Elliott, uh, Kyle Larson, and Kyle Busch, your top five. Fellas, let's jump into the race grades, uh, and let's start with Daytona, Ron. Let's, let's go with you this week. All right. Um, I gave it a B plus. I wasn't, um, put it this way. I, I think the event as a whole went the way NASCAR planned it to go. I think it was success. I think, um, with, without Mother Nature getting in the way, the concerts would have happened. I think that would have been another storyline, something for the fans to enjoy while they were there. Um, that didn't, you know, have a chance to even go down and happen. And even regardless of that happening in the weather, uh, what I saw around that racetrack as far as even standing along the fence, and the, it was absolutely packed. Every turn, every straightaway, you looked on the sides, um, there were people some spots even 10 rows deep um you know trying to get uh, an eye on the action um i think the weather had something to do with the beginning of the race and how it raced with the the wet weather tires i think this car likes these wet weather tires yeah um and then you know you see it kind of change a little bit once it started to dry off they heat up so that added a little bit who's going to be the first one to come down because truex you know, he was the first one to come down to get on slicks. He ended up winning. So it's that was kind of in play. Um, but the reason I gave it a B plus and not just an A, like I gave it the whole thing an A, I feel like. But if we're talking about the race itself, I think the race, I think the racing wasn't what I really wanted to see. Um, I think the racing could have been a little bit better. I know there was exciting moments of people, you know, hitting some tires and getting close to one another. Um, there was passing, don't get me wrong, but it seemed like there was two spots only where you could pass, and that's where everyone was dive-bombing in, getting to the yeah. inside, going out, coming in, and it's right where SVG made his move, and and that seemed to be the only spot where anyone was really able to get to somebody um, because you saw some bumpers getting to the back of field, but if you went too much, you saw what happened with Corey LaJoy and Kevin Harvick in that turn, and you have the bottleneck, so... Um, I thought the racing could have been a little bit more um, interesting for me. Um, but the thing as a whole, I thought it was exciting. Um, I thought there was a lot of um, good racing as much as I'm, you know, saying I could have would have liked to see a little bit more of that. 
Um, I think the single file maybe kind of had something to do with that. I'm not used to seeing that type of a race where you start single file, you single go and it's kind of just starts. follow the leader and whoever's kind of better here, whoever could find the grip here, whoever could cool down their wet weather tires by finding puddles would do. So there was a lot of interesting tech um, to this course like Sonoma was. Um, so, you know, like Matt said, hats off to SVG for, for figuring it out and, and, and really, you know, wheeling it for his first time ever stepping into a cup car. So, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was a good race. I enjoyed it. Um, and, and I think it was, a, was a success. All right. How about you, Matt? What do you, what do you think of it? I think everything Eric just said there is, is so fair. Um, super fair. Uh, B plus is, is about, is about right. I, I actually went ahead and gave it an A plus, um, for me, and I know Eric didn't let. I'm not. This isn't a shot at Eric. I'm just saying. For me, I didn't let the like the weather stuff get in the way of my grade. Um, I thought the vibe, like I said earlier, surrounding the race before the weather hit was like nothing I've ever seen before. Surrounding a NASCAR race before, um, you know, and that clue includes the likes of like Bristol Dirt, um, the uh, the Coliseum. Like I just thought the vibe was awesome on Saturday, and um, and then like I said, it just felt special. Um, from everyone on social media who was there and NBC did such an amazing, amazing job during the practice and the qualifying. Like that was that, that the entire weekend as a whole was handled so gracefully by NBC that I think another network might've mishandled that. And I think NBC really helped create that buzz and and that hype around it. And then um, I I agree with Eric, The, the racing wasn't the best racing. You know, it's not like the type of racing that we've grown accustomed to seeing at like a Watkins Glen, as far as like a a road course type of racing goes. But I thought it was exactly where it needed to be for the haters to, for, for the haters to not call it a terrible race. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't awful racing by any means. We've seen a lot of oval racing this year. That was a lot worse than what we saw on, on track yesterday. You know, it was, it was a lot of single file, but there were passing, there were opportunities for passing. I thought going into the race that, that we weren't going to see passing at all, that it was yeah. going to be single file, follow the leader. When you're making your lineups for fantasy, pick one through five, that's who's going to finish one through five. And, and that wasn't the case. And so we were able to see passing and, um, you know, like I said, I thought my mind was made up going into the weekend and, uh, you know, shame on me because that whole thing was awesome. I, like I said, I give, I give it an A plus, uh, I, I thought the last few laps when SVG was hunting, hunting down, um, Haley and, and chase was so exciting. Cause it was like, Oh my God, like this guy can make the moves. He's got the speed. He's not going to screw up. Yeah, you know, no. I told you guys, um, going in, you know, Eric asked because Eric mentioned before that he hadn't, he hadn't seen a lot of on track product. He asked for the cliff notes. And I, I said, listen, the ringers are fast, but I, I personally don't trust them because you never know with pit road stuff. There are their pit crews ready on restarts. Can they handle restarts? Dude, SVG marked all those boxes off and he earned that win. Like there it was, yes, yes, he's an outsider, but like he absolutely earned that win. And it was almost like watching like a horror movie where like, Freddie is chasing, chasing down, yeah. chasing down. People. It's like, oh my god! Like he's gonna come, and he picked off Chase, and it's like, no! And then it was like, Haley, give him shit, like give him hell, like you, like make it, make it challenging for him. And nobody had anything for him, and he went around. And then I found myself like rooting for him, like this is such a cool story. So 
Um, loved it. I tell you what, Haley really, he tried his damnedest to uh, some of those crossover moves were so exciting near the end where, you know, he crossed over Haley, Haley came down, dived around. Like that was just how um, Haley didn't wreck on that, on that dive bomb is unbelievable. And the, the other thing too, was like between uh, Chase Haley and SVG, it was so clean. Oh yeah. Like, like everything yeah. done there was super clean on a, such a tight racetrack uh, I was so impressed. SVG, welcome back anytime you want to, to NASCAR, man. That was so much fun to watch. I think, though, that Chase and Haley knew that they were mm. fucked from the get-go, yep. though, because they were on 16-lap older tires. Oh, yeah. So, like, oh, yeah. I think they tried their damnedest, but they didn't want to look like idiots on 16-lap older tires wrecking some guy, you know what I mean, doing something stupid. So, Matt, to your point, I think the the racing clean at the end was where um, I I probably could have given it that a score now that I think about it, because um, as much as like during the race, there was enough excitement, like you're saying to not like say that, Hey, that was absolutely terrible. And what else that I kind of realized now is that I, that I enjoyed about that was there wasn't that incident at the end where everyone gets bottled up and gets taken out in a, in an overtime and no one got wrecked that dominated. No one got wrecked that deserved to win that didn't because of something silly at the end. It just, it went the way that it was supposed to go at the end of that race, I yeah. feel like. And and that was refreshing to see. Mm-hmm. Instead of seeing them double wide restart, smashing each other into the turn, some guy from 15th dive bombing in, causing something to go down and ruining mm-hmm. someone's great day they had. Like the they didn't have that. And, right. and, and I think that was really... Um, a marker um, to kind of to your point where the haters, they can't say anything about it. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I probably could have bumped it up to an A just for, for the fact of how clean uh, they did race. And, and SVG mentioned it, you know, yeah. he, he, he acknowledged that. And I thought that was, was cool of him to, you know, really see how he felt about everyone racing around him and, you know, kudos to those drivers out there that raced him clean that shows everyone else that, Hey, if you come into our sport, we're going to race you hard, but you know, if you race us clean and hard, there is a way that we could, we could make this, this relationship work. And it's like, we're going to, we're going to race you hard, but we'll show you respect here too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, uh, I agree with pretty much everything you guys are saying. Uh, one thing I do want to point out, Australian supercars are right-hand drive. So yeah. he went out there, uh, on the opposite side, shifting with the opposite hand. And uh, I think he really did do a great job that as a VG man uh, makes me want to go out and watch uh, some Australian supercar in the off season. But um, I agree with you guys. I gave it an A as well. I thought the racing was great from start to finish. Uh, I was nervous with the rain at first, but I think the wet weather kind of made the racing better um, where it didn't didn't become like a Sonoma where it was just follow the leader. Um, The guys who could adapt to the weather and the changing track really shined. Um, And kind of like what Eric said, there was no big bottleneck that, that destroyed a bunch of cars. Like every accident, I feel, was just the drivers misstepping or, or overdriving even even that whole harvick and lajoy deal like that was just like a, a small misstep i don't even think uh lajoy really had much to do with it getting into the back of harvick like that and, and even that bottleneck it 
it, it sucked for a bunch of guys, but it didn't kill everyone's day either. Right. Uh, yeah, fair. I, I think fair. I think like 29 guys finished on the lead lap, including Noah Gregson, who was in the, the fucking tire barrier, what, four or five times? So uh, I'll tell you what, I thought someone say that they should start using more of those tires with this new car because it seemed to have helped not mm-hmm. tear these cars up. And um, I could agree with that, too. Uh, maybe we might see some of some of these tires out there more with that looked like it was just like maybe like a three quarter inch piece of like pvc plastic that was on the outside of it to help them like maybe like rub off of it a little bit better um but yeah they they those tires did their job of of not really wrecking the car and allowing them to back out and continue racing so that was actually good to see there were hoosier tires too were they really? Oh, no, I don't right. know. No, no way. Goodyear would never let Tire wars, baby. Listen, Goodyear pays way too much money to be the exclusive tire NASCAR. Let a bunch of Hoosiers in the corner. Um, even if you are in the Midwest, right? Who's the Hoosiers? Is that North Indiana. Dakota? Indiana? Um, anyway, bad joke. I'm sorry. Uh, what you forgot? I even like the single file restarts. Uh, at first, I don't. I didn't like them, but kind of to Eric's point, we didn't see the the chaos and stuff. I feel like that made it kind of hard for guys to make moves. But again, uh, the cream kind of rose to the top. The guys that were able to adapt were the ones making making moves. And, and even SVG, you know, he was on those uh, fresher tires, but he was still he was still racing uh, about what was it a second a lap faster than Chase Elliott and Justin Haley uh, in those closing laps as he was catching up. I'm so glad. Uh, I don't, well, not glad. I'm I'm glad there was no controversy at the end. You know, yeah. I'm glad we're talking about a great race and not some dumb thing that happened on a green-white checker. And, uh, and yeah, just a big congratulations to, uh, to SVG. Boys, let's, uh, let's jump into the checkers and wreckers. I'm sorry, Matt. What's up? No, 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 no. That's fine. We can talk what I want to talk about in race notes. I, I'm, I apologize. Okay. One lap to go. It's this week's checkers and wreckers. And uh, since we started with Daytona Ron for the race grades, we'll start with Matt for the checkers and wreckers. He already gave us his wreckers of the weather, but is there anything you want to expand on that one? No, we really covered it. My wreckers is, is Mother Nature. You know. Uh, uh, we're, we're sorry we hurt you. The NASCAR community is sorry we hurt you at some point uh, over the course of history. So p- please just leave us alone the rest of the year. It's you, my only request. You know what? She's getting back at us for burning all this gasoline over the last 75 years into the atmosphere. <laughs> That's Maybe all it is. our fault. That <laughs> might be our fault. Uh, how about your record or uh, your checkers for the weekend? My record, my record, or I'm sorry, my checkers goes to, and I apologize if, if I'm mispronouncing this, but Julie Geese, Julie Geis. Oh, Julie uh, Geese, uh, the track president, right? How do you pronounce it? Uh, I think it's Julie Geese. Okay, so Julie Julie Geese. Yeah, so she was appointed the president of the Chicago Street Race. Um, she came from, from Phoenix, I believe, and she was in charge of, of pulling this off, and she nailed it. Um, you know, you, you can't hold the weather against her. You know, everything that was within her and her team's control went great. Um, it sucks that the, the concerts couldn't happen and a lot of the events that, that – um, that were surrounding the, the the race itself got canceled. But again, you, you can't hold that against Julie and her team. Um, I found myself over and over again, wishing that I was there. And that's the sign of a good fun event or a good fun race. Um, that paddock that they built for, for, for pit road was sick as hell. Yeah. Um, 
And I, you know, I don't care what anybody says. This was a huge, huge success on and off the racetrack. And I believe it deserves a second chance. Um, you know, I, Heading into this weekend, before I even got to see any on-track activity or any of the events or anything like that, when the rumor started swirling that the mayor of of Chicago was was talking about maybe just having this be a one-and-done deal, I was kind of excited about it because I was a naysayer. I just didn't think it was going to work. And, and again, you know, I was wrong on that aspect of it. Um, I think we're at the point now where where I think we could put some blind trust in, in, in Ben Kennedy um, because – Every everything that NASCAR has tried over the past two or three seasons uh, has been a huge success. I don't think anything bigger of a success than this. Yeah, I you know what? I think that's a great one. Uh, big congratulations to her too. Uh, I'm glad you gave it to her um, because obviously, like we shit on Phoenix all the time, but she did a really great job of making the championship race just an event, even if the race isn't that good. Like you looked at everything going on in in Phoenix. Um, she did a, she did a really good job. I'm assuming that's why, obviously that's why they brought her into Chicago to take in this, this huge undertaking and, uh, kind of like you, you know, we, we've talked about a lot of the local politics over the last couple of months where, uh, uh, the community seemed to not want us coming there. Obviously there was a mayoral election in between when the contract was signed and when this is happening. So, uh, so local leadership has changed. They're not, they weren't too keen. But then everything from boots on the ground experience just talked about all the love they were getting from the city, the people of the city, the people showed up, the people were, you know, in those buildings, looking out the windows, you know, packed 15, 20 deep in sections that spectators aren't even supposed to be pulling down the banners to get a look like just absolute uh, amazing buzz from the whole city. So uh, big congratulations to her. I, I love that checkers. I, I think that's a great one. I thought one of the coolest scenes too, and I hope there's a still picture out there somewhere of when the, when the, when the cars were coming up over the hill going down, I guess, towards what would be turn one. And then the background was the subway going like yeah. that. Like that's such a cool oh, over scene. the bridge. Yeah. yeah. Coming around there, going up over that bridge. And in the background, you saw the cars go and the street lights and the stuff. It was like the city like was going on. Yeah. 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 Like, like, life was going is happening right now. Yeah. As these cars are going over the bridge, yeah, yeah dude, it like was sick. Uh, especially when those street lights came on, man, it just looked so cool. And like you said, there's people on that subway just coming back from working for the day and shit. Like they're like, oh man, there's a race going on in downtown. Just an amazing uh, undertaking. I'm ready for Nick Cage in a fucking bus with his hair flowing out the window, come flying it through over that dude. <laughs> <laughs> <I can't stop it. laughs> All right, Eric, how about your checkers and wreckers for the weekend? Um, my records, I think we all were talking about this during the race, man. Um, I, I almost don't even want to give my records because it's just at this point, it's just it's kicking, it's kicking, it's kicking him while he's down on the ground. Oh, but yeah. I have, I'm giving <laughs> him the records because I also I think he understands where he's at and he's joking about it. Noah Greg, <laughs> I mean, he tweeted today and I said to you guys, we talked about him before how bad and just shit luck he's having this year and like matt stated it like it's just it took away probably one of the most incredible like rookie of the year battles ever that we were going to see about two competitors from xfinity that couldn't stand each other wants to race each other hard and and noah just he is just in just ship equipment right now and he cannot even finish a race for the life of him and yesterday he hit that 
turn six tire barrier <laughs> three, four, uh, I don't know, five times. It got to a point where Baggy was like, oh, uh, Gregson's back in the tire barrier right below me. <laughs> so he tweeted, say, he goes, he's like, he's like, Turn six uh, tires loves the Baconator. I love the Baconator. Everyone loves the Baconator. What are you going to do? Just eat a Baconator. Just like, eat a Baconator. <laughs> oh, I just feel so bad for Gregson. But, hey, apparently he's joking about it. He understands the situation. But, man, is this not one of the worst NASCAR seasons ever for somebody? Who's who's more angry right now? Noah Gregson just for, for the shit race he had. Uh, or McDonald's for for spending all that money to be one of the title sponsors, oh, having yeah. the Golden Arches all over Chicago, and Wendy's just stealing their thunder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even in the side by side advertising, it makes you wonder, like, like if they had like a, a a meeting beforehand, like Noah, listen, you're not having a great season anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Why don't you hit the wall a few times so they can so they can show our car? It's it's the. Gen- I'm surprised that like, Gregson didn't hit that like. Hit it one more time and like get out of the car and eat a bacon egg. Or yeah. <laughs> he, he probably had a biggie bag in his car just waiting to munch on it. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's like our, our Jennifer Joe Cobb, Rick Ware conspiracy yeah. theory yeah. where we think sometimes they get in accents or spin out just to get some TV time for the sponsor. Maybe it was all there. It was all set up uh, to get the Baconator some more press. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> At the Baconator, I think I'm going to go when we get done here to get a Baconator. I know I was supposed to have hot dogs on the grill, but, like, we've said Baconator 14 (laughs) times in the past 90 seconds. Like, I think I want a Baconator. And you want to know what? You got to take a picture and tweet it out to Noah. You know, get get a Baconator on a Monday. How about your checkers, Eric? Uh, My checkers, I gave it to SVG. Um, You have to. I was super impressed. Um, Like Matt. I always kind of rule them out. I think a couple episodes ago, um, you know, or, or last season, I even mentioned like, I'm done with them. I'm done with these road course ringers because they come in and they don't do jack shit. I'm on record saying that. And, you know, this kind of makes that a cold take now um, because he came out. I know it's not an oval and, you know, it's, it's the street course and it's not a regular road course that we go to, but Hey, first ever in a cup car, go to a street course and he absolutely showed that, you know, he knows the ins and outs of racing. Um, He actually stated that he didn't feel comfortable on those wet weather tires because he never raced with them before. He didn't know what that car was going to do. Adjusted to it. Then he went to the slicks. He said he didn't push it as hard on the slicks. He was testing them out. He was really taking it easy here and there. So, through the first two stages of that race, he was figuring out the tire compound and how the tires were going to work. And then in that third stage, he had it figured out. He got comfortable, and then he knew how hard he could push the car. He knew how hard he could push those tires. And, hey, on 16 lap pressure tires, um, you have to make something happen. And he was an 18th, and he came back and raced up through that field. And, you know, that, that to me – was very, very impressive. And, um, you know, you could tell in some corners where it's like he is pushing it harder into those corners than some of these other drivers are. He is trusting his car a little bit more. I saw him 
the cup guys were more graceful with it. He seemed to jerk the car left and right and feel more comfortable really tugging on the wheel to get his car uh, straightened out after some of those turns. And, you know, that's that's control of the car. They were talking about Bell and Larson, how they were kind of racing that way as well. They were comfortable really jerking around that car in those wet and loose conditions. And um, to me, it was super impressive. I talk shit on him in, in shows past about these road course ringers. And, um, you know, he kind of proved me wrong. And you have to you have to show love to to the winner and, and, and to this person that, you know, showed up in our sport. And I know there were some people out there on on, on the interweb that I was going to give my records to that wanted to see, you know, Haley let him pass and then wipe him out and, you know, do it for NASCAR and all this and that. That to me was just uh, that was kind of shitty because chicken you know, shit. That's what I like to call that. This is yeah. just good for the sport. Um, you know, me and my girlfriend were super excited. We're like, this is awesome. This is crazy. Like, I wanted to see him win um, because I know it's nothing but good for the sport. Um, and and it was just a shame. I, I was just going to give my other records to. We I think we all know what we're talking about there. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I think you make a great point that this is not only good for the sport in America but internationally too. Uh, I sent a video from from uh, Australia Sky Sports or Sky News NASCAR NASCAR. Uh, where they were talking about, you know, him going over and winning a Cup Series race. Uh, just absolutely amazing for the sport, I think. And um, amazing for Trackhouse. Just what they've, Dude, they've been able to do in three years. Absolutely insane. So that's what I wanted to get to because I haven't seen a lot of it. Like, let's give Justin Marks his flowers because he had this Project 91 vision. Yeah. And when he first announced it, I was like, okay, cool that we're going to get some big names from other other racing series into our sport, but like, it doesn't really matter because they don't have a shot at winning. Well, dude, now some of these other like, who knows? They might be able to get the the, the likes of um, uh, F one current F one guy. Uh, it's like Max Verstappen or whatever, right? Oh, no, not him, uh, Lewis uh, Hamilton. Sorry, yeah. They might be able to get pulling a Lewis Hamilton, who's one of the best race car drivers in the history of racing, to come over because now he sees what SVG does yesterday. And he's like, okay, I actually, if I do this and I take it seriously, I have a shot to actually win a cup race. So, like, this was Justin Mark's vision. This was his baby. Uh, I don't know if everyone really took it as seriously as as we maybe should have. Um because there was really no evidence of, of a road course ringer having any success over the past 10, 20 years. And, and here we are. And so uh may cope on me. I, I, I didn't give it the, the love and respect that it deserved, but this project 91 might've just changed the game. Yeah. I, I had written off a lot of these road course ringers, just like you guys, even, even we saw some really great shades. Um, oh, who's, who's driving Chase's car at Coda? Um, Benjamin Button or not a Jensen Button. Jensen Button. Like like we saw him qualify really well, and then the thing I noticed with these guys is they'll run really well for about the first half of the stage, and then they fall out of the seat because they're not used to you know this type of hard racing throughout the whole entire. And, and even he said it. Same thing with Kimi Raikkonen. All these guys talk about it. And, uh, and, and that just makes what SVG did that more impressive. And, and you have to think too, first time in a car, what do you get an hour worth of practice? I don't know how much, um, testing time he had going into this race. I don't think it was a whole lot. And, and I'm sure the simulator time was even less. And I got to give props to Justin Haley for being right there in second 
running as well as he did because he got like 20 minutes of sim time on Thursday night before this race. Didn't get to practice because he wrecked during practice. And uh, and he went out and, and really showed how good of a, a road course racer he is in his own right. So uh, just two guys fucking going out there and wheeling a car, you know? Uh, Matt, you it looked what, like you were heard, about to I say something. I think it was Dale Jr. Um, said that that V8 supercar that he runs over there, that whole series is basically NASCAR in Australia over there. Like, it's the most similar to our sport and car. Yeah. Um, so I, I would imagine just that style probably helped him adapt to the way that these cars drive um, since it's like basically it, it's, it's, it mirrors our sport over in that country. That um that reminded me of a point I want to make earlier too. Uh, you, Eric, you missed this because you didn't see practice, but they had a foot cam on him during practice and qualifying. And, uh, they showed uh, it during the race a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they showed it during the race. Yeah. And, and when you said that, you know, he was driving it differently, where he was really, you know, throwing some muscle into the turns and everything, really putting the car where he wanted to put it. Uh, he was braking with his his right foot and then hitting the he was doing heel toe where he's hitting the gas with his the heel of his foot braking with the toe and then using the clutch to shift and I think that was a big difference for some of the cup guys where cup guys don't use the clutch to shift they brake with the left foot you know they're they're pointing using that to point the car differently and maybe that's what made the difference because I, I forget what the lap time was, but he consistently drove some of the fastest lap times where uh, guys were were more than a second behind him in his quickest lap time. So, like, just just the different type of discipline going in is a different approach to the racing. I think that really helped him too. Uh, what do you guys do? You, do you think uh, you think I'm on a good? Uh, Oh, Good yeah. train of thought there, but Matt, you looked yeah, like you that, well, well, that's exactly what I'm saying, Whitey. He drove the car. His he had his own style that I yeah. know, like it was noticeable to me watching it. Like compared to the way Cup guys, there's they want to be smooth, they want to make it around. He didn't give a shit about being smooth about going. Nope, he knew where the line was the fastest, how he needed to be, and and he did what he had to do and figure out the car to make the car do what he wanted to do and how he wants to drive that car. He didn't let the car dictate his driving. He drove the shit out of that car with yeah. his own style, which made it even that much cooler. I think last night was a monumental night, like a watershed night in NASCAR history. Um, you know, you have the likes of people like Pat McAfee, who if you don't know who Pat McAfee is, he has one of the biggest sports pod podcasts in the world. ESPN just signed him to a monster deal. He's a super, super popular guy, and he was tweeting about NASCAR. You know why? Because it was July 2nd on a Sunday night, and there was nothing else on. There was no other sports. All eyes were on us, and we had a freaking really exciting race. We had a guy from a whole different um, uh, country and series come in and win it with not only all, all American eyes on the sport, but we had people from New Zealand and Australia watching as well, as, as for all over the country, I'm sure. But um, I, I thought last night was was a possibly historic night in NASCAR history. Well, definitely historic being the first time the cup series raced on a street course, but I'm talking in terms of, of fandom yeah. that could have really shifted gears, pun intended uh, I, in the right direction. I agree. I think we're seeing a shift happen right before our eyes. We don't even realize it. And I think NASCAR, NASCAR had lightning in a bottle this weekend and we have to figure out how to capitalize on it and keep rolling 
on that that lightning bolt and that momentum. Uh, my checkers and wreckers, though, I have to give my checkers, and I said we're going to touch on on the shortened race a little bit, to Randall Burnett, Kyle Busch's crew chief. Uh, he's one of the only crew chiefs that I heard was actually uh, planning for the darkness and the race to be get to get cut short due to darkness, not necessarily NASCAR saying that they were going to cut it short. Uh, and he short pitted Kyle to help gain back what was lost after KB got stuck in those tires early on in the race. And it, it worked out for him, got him a fifth place finish. I know a lot of guys like Christopher Bell were really pissed off because of NASCAR announcing the, the shortened race after they had uh, they had, you know, worked on their strategy. But there was other crew chiefs who were watching what was going on around them and reworking their strategy to play into that. And I, I think Randall does a really good job with that. Of course, uh, uh, he was Tyler Reddick's crew chief for years. So I, I kind of, you know, I've listened to his radio for a long time. He's always thinking about this kind of stuff, you know, trying to win on fuel strategy if they don't have the car to do it. And I think that's kind of what they were trying to do here, you know, play against the darkness uh, what do you guys have any thoughts on Randall? Cause I, I think that was a very impressive move to go from the back to fifth. Uh, and, and it seemed like he almost had a shot to win at, at a certain point too there. Yeah, I think I, I see, I don't know how I feel about it because like part of me is like, Oh man, that sucks because like, not only, you know, did they not get the full race in, you know, because of the rain in the beginning of the delay, but now it's a lights at the end. Like, um, that it could have been a lot worse of, a, of an outcome this weekend with, with the Xfinity being called this being shortened, uh, you know, mid race as it's going on. Um, I don't know. That's, that's the kind of circumstances you're going to have when you try to have this style of race and you try to put together an event like this, there's kind of nothing you could do about it. But saying that, I think it's one of the reasons why I don't want a lot of this type of events on the track yep. because yep. the more you start willy nilly doing this and yeah. gimmicking races up now, you know what I mean? How many times could you do what you did this weekend? I wouldn't like that to go down. I'm okay with what they did because of the circumstances. Cause it's a kind of a one-off thing, but to me, yeah, I mean, you could, if you're, if you're a crew chief, you could, you might be able to bitch a little bit or be a little irritated that um, how that went down this weekend. And you know, you, you could have said as a crew chief of Christopher Bell, hey, like we were we were playing out because we didn't we expect you to call it this way, not shorten the race. Like we thought you might have just called it and we wanted to stay up front instead of this. Yeah. So like you could say it could have been this way or that way. But in the end, NASCAR manipulated the racing this weekend to get it in. And I don't think that will sit well with a lot of fans, if that happens a lot more often, um, which I don't think is the case. Um, but with this type of event, you know, I, I think it's something that um, very well may happen because mother nature follows NASCAR everywhere we go. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's nothing really you could do though. Just like I said, but it kind of does still leave a little bad taste in the back of your mouth about how it all went down. So I saw a possible solution for that very issue. And uh, we'll talk about it in the pick a lane. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. So I'm, I'm definitely going to give uh, that person credit when we get to it, but I think it's a pretty good idea 
Surprise and, pick a lane. Yeah. And then, I like when we, when we don't have time to prepare for it. I like yeah. when, it, when we don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. So to the listeners out there, Eric and I have no idea what he's going to throw in our lap. Well, we'll get there in a couple minutes. Uh, but first, my wreckers, uh, I have to give it to the naysayers, the haters, and anyone who is wishing that this event would fail right off the bat. Um, obviously, you know, we were in the same boat. We are like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be. But you try to go in with an open mind and hope for the best. Uh, even I think the the weather really helped the racing because I, I think it might have been more like Sonoma a couple weeks ago uh, with a lack of passing. But I think the track kind of helped it being wet and all that. Uh, but for a, a whole event, I feel like we saw a home run. NASCAR uh, hit a home run and every NASCAR fan should be proud of what the sport was able to make happen uh, in the first place because it was not an easy undertaking. Uh, it took months and months of preparation and uh, and they, they did it. They, they pulled it off. And I think it was a, a wild success uh, and not one crew member or driver needed to wear a bulletproof vest while they were there. So um, other than that, I thought it was a great weekend. Uh, I got some. What's up, Matt? I, I, I wanted to give um, fan of the show, my father, two shout outs. One, mm -hmm. he came over yesterday before the race to play with the baby. And uh, he was kind of saying, you know, I got to set my lineup. And he was like, oh, I think I might go with SVG. And I told him, you know, my thoughts on like my reservations as to why I thought that was a bad idea. Well, turns out he went with SVG. So congrats on not listening to me, <laughs> dad. But also... My father's an old school NASCAR fan. Yeah. He loved just like we did everything that went down this weekend. So, I mean, if you, if you, if you can get to the old school NASCAR fans and, and even have them saying how much of a success this is, it was a true success. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what the haters say. This was awesome this weekend. I, I can't stress that enough. Yeah. I mean, you you could criticize a little bit of the racing. You know, we didn't see a whole lot of passing for the lead or anything like that, but as an event, as a whole, I mean, knocked it out of the park, especially with the weather and everything they were up against. Uh, I got, I have a couple uh, race notes, though. Uh, Justin Haley led once for 23 laps. Like I said, kind of killing it, man. Uh, hoping for more success for him in the future. I know he's had a rough go of it the last two years going full-time in Cup. Something about uh, Fourth of July weekend and weather uh, races, though. He uh, he won in Daytona a couple years ago. He got real close yesterday. Uh, Christopher Bell, he led twice for 37 laps. Kind of got screwed due to the uh, the shortening of the race. Kind of messed with his, uh, his team's whole pit strategy and stuff. What would you guys think about C. Bell? Any thoughts on him? Oh, that, that was fun, Whitey. Uh, we kind of resurrected an old little battle <laughs> yeah. a little bit through the race there. A little, little smack talk going back and forth when Seabell uh, got around Reddick when when Reddick kind of slipped up a little bit into the turn there. So it was it was good to see them battle. Um, that, that was a fun battle that they had. It it didn't last, you know, very long, but um, yeah. a battle nonetheless. And uh, you know, I I, I don't know. Seabell to me is like he's kind of having like it, it's finish the race off. You know what I mean? I feel like he dominates and does really well. And then yeah. like we get to the end of the race, like what happened to Christopher Bell there in that last stage? You know, I feel like his, his first, you know, three quarters of the race is great. And something happens to him at the end of these races, but um, all, all, he, he's turned out to be one of the road course or street course uh, ringers in, in our sport for sure. That seems to be happening to Toyota in general. Seabell, Tyler Reddick, Denny Hamlin to an extent, uh, just a lot of really strong, fast cars. And 
just not being able to put together the whole entire race. Speaking oh, of, Red- you know what just made me? I just thought of how fast was Martrex Jr. going when he slid into those tires. Do any of you remember that? No, dude, with uh, 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 Kyle Bush. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Bush. Bush. No, it was Truex too, dude. Truex, there was one angle where he slid probably <laughs> maybe a hundred feet on the straightaway. Like he already, he, he knew he, he wasn't going to make the turnabout right? one hundred feet in advance, and he did boom yep. right into the tires. Yeah, my door. I'm like, yep. how? The, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? But Kyle too. Kyle oh, Bush. The brake same rotors thing. were glowing orange, though. So like, I think they were just had no brake left in that car, but. That was funny to see because where the wall was, you don't see anything. And all of a sudden, just boom, and he stopped. Oh, he did come on. <laughs> and he kind of bounced off it, like slid off yeah, a little bit, too. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Ty Gibbs, he led once for one. I think that was during Green Flags. And, uh, yeah, we talked about Noah Gregson. Still still finished in 25th on the lead lap I'll after tell you the what, day he DJ had. had a good day despite his beginning of his race. Uh, he was running P13 for a while there. Um, for majority of the middle of that race, he ended up coming home P15. So, you know, Legacy's having their problems, but these last two weeks, um, at, at least that 43 car is, is finding a little bit of speed and a little bit of, uh, you know, of that of that finish line. Getting getting to the end of our race there. and finishing. That's, that's where we're at right now. Just finish, boys. That's it. Just finish. Uh, unfortunately, one person that didn't finish, everyone loves to talk about the winner won SVG on a Monday, but we also like to talk about the loser. That was one, unfortunately, Alex Bowman, who is on the cut line right now uh, for the playoffs. Uh in rough shape after after this week, um, I think he he got turned that around. Was all Denny Hamlin, right? It was that yeah. was Denny Denny Denny. He screwed up his entry too fast, and he he used up he used the him up right. He, he yeah, used he, him up, and he was the forty eight was never the same after that. You yep. know. No, I think uh, I think he he his day ended. I forget like around right around uh, lap forty six. So maybe they couldn't make repairs or something. He blew an engine. I think his engine was he he, he pulled oh, off. Oh, that's side. what it was. Uh, you want to what? So sorry. Honestly, I'm gonna be honest. When I did my outline, I forgot to do the last place. I'm like, oh shit, let me look it up real quick. I'm like, I forgot what happened to Alex Bowman. Yeah, he did catch on fire. They had to uh, yeah. pull out the uh, fire the side, extinguisher yeah. and everything. Um, I thought it was interesting too. They were blowing the fire extinguisher down those uh, those holes into the engine i'm like well there goes that fucking engine block they'll never use that one again uh but yeah just a a rough day for alex bowman who is on the cutoff line trying to get into the playoffs right now and then uh let's jump into the pickle lane one pickle lane i saw this on twitter yesterday i feel like it was a pretty good idea it's from the twitter account uh dabs for dale uh, he got, he's, well, I don't know if it's a he or a she, but they said, um, <laughs> what's that? The Twitter account. I don't, it, it was just a picture of Dale Earnhardt. I don't know who runs it. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. Who knows? What? Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, they, uh, <laughs> fuck you guys. <laughs> Dabs for Dale. <laughs> uh, they, <laughs> they, <laughs> they said they proposed an idea. <laughs> Four tracks without lights. Should we oppose a time limit according to sunset? If there's weather in the area, if you could start the race and, and you get past halfway, you have a hard time set for every track without lights like Pocono. So say sunsets 835 hard out at eight o'clock. If the race isn't finished by eight, 
that's what lap ends it. You know, do you think that creates some sort of urgency where you're like, okay, well, we know it's going to end at eight because we're running behind. Should you, should we impose a time for every one of those tracks that doesn't have lights? What do you guys think about that? Cause I thought it was an interesting idea. How, how about we just schedule a little bit earlier so that we don't even have yeah. to get into the question. Of not having- well, but that's what I'm saying. Like we could schedule at one o'clock. You could still have a rain delay until four 30 and then you get the race off, you know? So like, that's what I'm saying. Like there's just, there's a set time for every track without lights. It's in the rule book. It's there just in case. And you hope you never have to use it. I think if you're going to do something like that, like there has to be hard black and white ground rules. Like it's got to be past halfway, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Uh, whatever happens first, whether it's eight o'clock or the, the checkered, you yeah. know, that's so if we're 15 minutes to eight o'clock and we still have 30 laps to go at Pocono, you know, you're not going to be able to get it all in. You make, you know, NASCAR, much like they did yesterday, makes the announcement. Then we're not going to make it to the checkered. We're going to go ahead and uh, at eight o'clock is the hard stop. So if it's, you know, whatever minute, m- it takes a minute to get around the track, you know, at 7.59, you got, you got a lap left or so, whatever you do. Or, I don't know if you go off based off the time. I don't know if I like that. I think you just, you just like they did yesterday. You, you do the math, you know, you're not going to hit it. You just say, Hey, listen, this is the new length of the race. It's, you've got 30 laps remaining, not the 65 that you thought you had or whatever it might be. But I'm trying to avoid, we're trying to avoid like that surprise. Like Christopher Bell's bitching. He's like, Hey, we didn't know. Now all of a sudden they shortened the the race. But if you have that set time for every track without lights, it's like, well, you knew, you knew the time we were getting close to the time. You should have been watching the clock. I think you make that announcement before the race even starts. Yeah. I think you make that announcement before the race even starts. Yeah, hey, that's, listen. that's kind of what Whitey's saying. Like it's in the yeah. rule book already that, you know, before the race even starts that if this is even a situation that like, it's one of those things where like, they probably wouldn't have to talk about it on the broadcast because right. everyone will know that it's now in the rule book and this is the new change. Right. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's very rare that, that, that it happens yeah. that it won't even be. Oh yeah. I, I don't think even think it needs to be discussed, but um it, to the point I didn't mind what they did, you know what I mean? Because of the situation, I think, I think let's not make any rules over anything that, you know, I think when it comes to it, the intelligent people in the room and the fans, just like what happened now, we all kind of agree that that's what had to happen. Right. You know what I mean, and 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 it's happened before where they've done that. That's why, too. I, so it's like I was so thinking like New I, I think we were already kind of used to it in a way. I think I was ready for them to kind of do that. Say, hey, let's shorten this up. We're gonna go to lap whatever instead of this. Um, I, I think to me it was a cut and dry thing, and it's like okay, yeah, I, I I kind of understand you know what they're doing here. Um, I also think though it's like. Who man, NASCAR would really like that idea, I think, just for the pure fact of how they're trying to shorten up all of these weekends on us. They're getting rid of practices, they're getting rid of this, they're trying to streamline our weekends. Yeah. And, you know, in order for them to get the full race in, instead of like Matt said, um, you know, I think maybe weather has something to do with it. What do you do? Do you squeeze, do you take a portion of the race away to get the race in that day? Or do you just say, you know what, tomorrow there's a 0% chance and we race tomorrow. Like, I, I think that could be a tricky situation there where are would they rush it to get it in and make that decision and, and cut it when maybe they might not need to, but they're gener- 
they're generating their own buzz and excitement by doing that when they could race the next day perfectly fine i i think nascar would like that because it shortens all of that up they they don't have to extend it to a, another day yeah so it, i think getting it's not, not like whether nascar is willing to to go a whole nother day or are you willing to instead of sacrifice that whole day take 30 laps away i, I, think, I think getting the crew home and the whole industry home on time it is very important, especially when you have, you know, a race coming up the next weekend as well. I think, yeah, as we've seen before, NASCAR will do anything to get the race in scheduled day. That's right. I, so I think that would benefit them having yeah. that, you know, that rule that what he is saying. I think NASCAR would look at that like, hey, let's let's get the show on the road. Let's move to next week and get out of here. Right. Yeah. I, I, I to Matt's point, too, I saw what was a Jeremy Clemens team. He, he has spent fifteen hundred dollars on hotels to stay overnight from Saturday to Sunday to parade around the track. And then Cole Custer is declared the winner, uh, which I honestly, I do think that whole whole situation was kind of bullshit where they're just trying to get it done and over with and move on. I understand the reasoning for it. I wish it didn't happen. Um, but like, like I said too earlier, like the whole entire rule would be you have to pass half halfway or second stage you know like that rule yeah. still applies it's it's kind of like just to try to avoid what happened in new hampshire a couple of years ago when eric almarola won because they were running out of daylight where they're like oh you got five laps and the race is over like you don't really give those guys much of a chance but if everyone knows the time and they're looking like hey you know we have 50 to go and we only have 20 minutes left in this race i don't think we're going to get it in let's try to adjust our strategy on the fly and see what we can make happen you know stuff like that i think that that the the lap count needs to be taken into consideration too like you like like you need to be able to call it with enough time to give these guys the strategy going forward you know hey listen there's 15 laps left okay well there's no strategy because there's only 15 laps left but at the 50 60 lap mark where there's still a fuel window within that within that time frame i think that's when you need to be able to make that decision and i think that's what hurt the chicago street race yesterday was they made the call after a little too at, late a little too late where there was green flag guys that stopped right. and then there was you know caution guys that came and, and got fuel it screwed up the strategy for everybody that's why i'm like oh well a time like that kind of alleviates that where even if someone's like, well, we didn't realize the race was going to end. Well, that's kind of on you for not remembering that part of the rule book. That kind of thing. They say that in the driver's meeting. Hey, okay, today in the driver's meeting, this race, you know, if we have weather, there's no lights here. So at a certain point, we will radio yeah, into you. That, pull the ripcord. This, yeah. this is where we this is where we go at this at this lap marker. Yeah, I I, I could I could see that. I mean, they, they might already even do that to a certain extent that we don't even know about. Right. It's just true. one of those nuanced things that that just happens that that doesn't really gain a lot of media attention. Like Eric said, it, it's it's so few and far between where we would even come close to running into a situation like this. Like we obviously ran into it last night at Chicago and we ran into it at New Hampshire before then, but I've been watching NASCAR my whole life. And and those are the only two instances that I can remember that daylight actually affected the outcome of a race. No, that's so it, it's not, it's not often. I just, I don't know. Pocono has gotten pretty close where uh, you remember it was yeah. like 2020, the second race of 2020. It was so dark. Like I couldn't, mm-hmm. I was looking out our win, like our windows at home uh, cause there was no, no crowd that year. And I'm like, how are they still driving on this track? It is so was dark outside NASCAR because it was a beautiful weekend that yeah. year. And they started the race at six o'clock. Like, right. come on, yeah. that's on you there. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, whatchamacallit, 
but yeah, that's all I have for the pick a lane. I thought it was a, an interesting tweet I saw. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Uh, let's get into it. And now we have the next weekend to look forward to. Marty, you've got to come back with me. Where? The next NASCAR Cup race. It's the weekend preview. And we're heading to Atlanta Xfinity on track Saturday night, 8 p.m. on USA for the Allsco Uniforms 250. They do have lights at Atlanta. Uh, Cup on track Sunday night, 7 p.m. on USA for the Quaker State 400, available at Walmart. And we just have qualifying this week. It goes down 535 on Saturday before the Xfinity race. Uh, To recap our picks from Chicago, uh, Matt, you came in last. You picked Martin Truex Jr. You should have kept your original pick with Joey Logano. He would have uh, doubled your points and you would have won the weekend. Uh, I picked Chase or no, uh, Eric picked Kyle Bush. He got you 32 points. And then I won the weekend picking Chase Elliott. He got me 34 points. So I picked last for Atlanta. Eric picked second and Matt, you pick first. Uh, who do you feel can win this weird hybrid super speedway intermediate race again. Uh, I haven't picked them since Daytona. Um, try to try to avoid picking them. Also haven't had a lot of opportunities to pick them because he's been suspended and also has had a snapped leg. I'm going to pick the hometown hero. Uh, the guy who won this race last year, he's going to finally clinch his way into the playoffs so I can enjoy the rest of the summer. Chase Elliott wins in Atlanta next week. All right. How about you, Eric? Who you, uh, who do you feel might win Atlanta? Um, you know, we, we're seeing a lot of people that have speed and winning races, winning multiple races this year. You know, we have a lot of twos and threes at the top here. And um, I think this person has a, a really good shot with the speed that they've had over these last couple of weeks, having one of his best seasons that he's had in, I would say, his career. Um and, and this is his style of racetrack where he tends to flourish. And, and I think that speed, I think everyone likes to work with him here as well in this type of racing. And um, I, I think he actually makes a statement and, and is kind of a comeback driver of the year. Um, uh, if he does get this done with, with two wins is uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. In the 47 car. Wow. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were talking about Busher or Ricky. I was like, which one is he talking about? Yeah. I knew it was one of those two. I'm going uh, with Greg Biffle. <laughs> <laughs> Bell Biff, uh, I, I like it. I think it's an interesting pick. And uh, because it's Atlanta, because Rex could happen, the big one could happen at any moment. I'm going to go with an oddball pick. Um, I'm going to go with a Ford. I'm going with Eric Almarola to pull an upset and get a win on a oh. super speedway and steal one of those playoff uh, spots. We will see what happens. We are 18 races into the 2023 season, and we have 11 different winners who are locked into the playoffs. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Kyle Busch, William Byron, Joey Logano, Tyler Reddick, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlet, and Ross Chastain. On the cutoff line, we have Harvick, plus 151, Chris Buescher, plus 104, Brad Keselowski, plus 91, Bubba Wallace, plus 15, and Ty Gibbs, plus 6 in his rookie year. On the outside looking in, we have Daniel Suarez, minus 6, Michael McDowell, minus 10, AJ Allmendinger, minus 24, and mentioned earlier, Alex Bowman, minus 26. So those guys fighting it out. We're we're in playoff season time, boys. Uh, the NBC crew started talking about it. It got me hyped up for the playoff battle, the cutoff line battle. I can't wait. Uh, can Chase Elliott 
win in his home state of Georgia uh, and get himself locked into the playoffs. Will Ricky Stenhouse Jr. get his second win of the season, or will Eric Allenroll pull an upset and get his Ford 10 SHR car into the playoffs with a win in Atlanta? We will find out this Sunday night, 7 p.m. on USA for the Quaker State 400, available at Walmart, and we will break it all down for you right here on Monday night on the Bump and Run podcast for Matt the Statman Riley. For Eric Daytona Ron, I'm Michael D. White saying happy 4th of July and enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good night. Football.